Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. We're shifting today from Buddhas and bananas to the blueprint. Jesus is our blueprint. He is the Father's design. And we are shifting now in our reading of the book Toxic Love by Malcolm Smith to begin to shift into how the love life was meant to be lived. So join me in this shift. As I am traveling through Europe, let's continue to travel through the truth of the blueprint. All right, we are back together again. I have made it into Poland. It was a great trip, very easy flights, good sleep, and I love re-entry into Europe once I'm here. I can tell you, though, that oftentimes the 24 to 48 hours before departing home and that limbo time when I am getting ready to exit home, enter into uh, Europe, uh, you have to learn, my friends, how to manage the tensions uh, and learn your rhythms when you're living in this way. And so I want you to be encouraged wherever you are today, whatever you are going through, whatever transitions you are in, I pray that these episodes of the true love of the Father are literally like oil to you so that uh, where there are places of friction when we're in deep transition, I am praying not for the friction to go away because oftentimes we need that friction. <laughs> we need to learn what it is to live in the friction and the pressure, right? So that his life starts to come through in us in the very real development of everyday life. And so that you'll know the oil of his love and of his presence, of his word, of his voice to you in the most specific of ways. Because this life, my friends, this life of the blueprint of the very one who is the design of the Father, the very life of Jesus inside of us, and um, causing us to live in the deepest levels of oneness and abiding, of learning what it means to stay with him and to continue with him is learned in everyday life. It's the actualities of his dream coming true, which is that he would have many sons of glory, many sons who would Uh, be an expression of his life and an extension of his authority. My friends, it doesn't happen by sitting in a service and just listening to preaching, right? It doesn't happen by us trying to adhere to traditions and the ways of man, right? It only happens as we yield ourselves to him personally, privately, and say, Father, you can do with us whatever it is you want. (laughs) the deepest levels of trust that begin to literally come forth out of the life of Jesus within us. My friends, we were made new so that we could live 100% compatible with him. And so I'm praying that these episodes are feeding that life and speaking to you in the simplest and strongest of ways. So let me continue as we are in chapter 3 of Toxic Love, 
uh, this very short, simple book by Malcolm Smith that I have given to everyone I possibly can over the years. But let us continue with this. Now, this section today is called Emotional Freedom. So here we go. Because he, Jesus, was directed by his Father and not the demands of the people, Jesus had balance in his life and was able to take time to be alone with a few close friends without any sense of guilt. Now let me just interject here that um, (laughs) at the risk of sounding prideful, I'd like to interject the word fullness instead of balance. I'm not against balance, but many times when we talk about balance in our lives, it's something we're trying to produce. But the fullness of life is really what Jesus was living in. He lived in the fullness of life as it was meant to be lived. He wasn't just trying to create some kind of balance, like so as not to get too wild out there with the Father. So many times I hear people talking about having balance in their life, and it is oftentimes being self-produced because they don't want to get too radical in their spirituality. And they want to make sure they keep a good balance, a good pace, a good rhythm. Let's all be sensible and healthy. My friends, we are here to live in the fullness of the life of Christ as it was meant to be lived. And I'm doubting seriously that it's ever going to appear, right, if we live in the fullness of life, it's never going to appear balanced. It will be, meaning it will be the best. It will be the fullest, the strongest. But if you live full out in the Father and in His love, It's never going to appear balanced to other people. But it will be uh, the best way of living life before the Father. So I just wanted to interject that. (laughs) Okay. So uh, it continues on. He, Jesus, could sleep during the daytime because he was tired and be awakened to an emergency to calmly do what the Father wanted in the situation. Living in the consciousness of being loved directed the way Jesus conducted himself with other human beings. He was never anxious or fretful as to whether he had met the expectations of the people. Success in life for him was in responding to the Father's love and doing what he wanted him to do. To him, that was enough, and he rested with joy and peace that he had done all that was required. His love for people must be understood as primarily responding in obedience to the Father's love, not in trying to meet all of the people's needs. He was totally dependent on the Father, listening only to him and doing what he was told, however insignificant it seemed. In this relationship, he was the totally fulfilled human being, therefore bringing glory to his Father. Talking to an insignificant moral outcast in Samaria because his Father wanted him to brought him great joy, John 4, 4 through 34. And there are many other examples of Jesus' sensitive response to God's direction in his ministry. However, 
The last 24 hours Jesus spent on earth in the company of his disciples show what the God kind of love expressed in ministry is really like. After three years of public and private teaching, the disciples were going to the upper room to eat the Last Supper. They were angrily comparing themselves to each other, arguing as to who was the greatest, their eyes fixed on positions in the physical kingdom they still believed Jesus was going to set up in Jerusalem. The division was present even in Peter, James, and John, who prepared the dinner. Lest they should be perceived as less than the others, all three refused to accept the lowliest position in a Jewish household, that of the one whose duty was to wash the feet of the other guest as they arrived. How does Jesus react? If he had operated from the toxic counterfeit form of love, he would have had thoughts like, They are very upset tonight. It must be my fault. If I had been all they needed me to be, they would be smiling and happy. I will have to take responsibility and do the job myself. Or, he might have thought, after three years of teaching them true greatness, they are arguing like this, I am a total failure. Or, I can't stand arguing tonight, not tonight. Everything has to be just right and perfect on a night like this. I will wash their feet and maybe that will make them happy. Instead, the scripture takes time to tell us exactly what Jesus' attitude was. Quoting from John 13, 1-4. Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself about. Jesus loved and served out of the fullness of knowing the love the Father had for him. Knowing his eternal worth, he did not do what he did in order to give himself a sense of well-being or significance or to make himself lovable to the disciples. He acted out of who he knew himself to be. My friends, I'm just going to tell you again, this is some of the most powerful truth. It is so simple, so strong, and so stout. But you see, this has to be developed and nurtured over a lifetime, right? Jesus's nature and who he was as a man was because all throughout his life he was being nurtured, uh, loved by the Father. And many times we're trying to get this by an overnight formula, by if I do this and that, or we're simply trying to bring ourselves our own equilibrium inside right, so that when guilt gets to be too much for us, we try to cast it off by self-talk, you know, so that we will feel better. But listen to me carefully. The life that God is looking to mature inside of his sons is the very life of the son, where all of these magnificent characteristics are. And the only way that we attain them is once we are born again, and the only way that they will be nurtured and cultivated is when we yield to the Father and give Him all the time He needs to mature us. Because every one of us, I pray, is headed towards the full accomplishment of the Father's will, not just our own well-being, 
not just us having our own quality of life that makes us feel better. You see, it is true that we are loved by the Father. And it is true that the most important thing is that oneness that we have. It's the most important because it's unto Him. But my friends, that can't be where it stops. If there's going to be the ongoing maturing of the life of the Son within us, it is going to be for the same purposes for which Jesus allowed it in Him, which was the full delight and accomplishment of the Father's will. You know, Luke one seventeen, um, in the Amplified Classic, talks about the wisdom of the upright, the wisdom of the righteous, which is not just the knowledge of the will of God, it's a holy love for the will of God, right? That as the life of the Son within us is nurtured by this very powerful love of the Father, then what begins to happen as we are one with Him and we grow with Him and we know Him is we absolutely delight in the accomplishing of the will of God, what it is that He's after, You know, I've said this before, I'll say it again, right? My salvation, right, that's for me. I'm I'm as loved as I'm ever going to be, as holy as I'm ever going to be. I'm already seated in heavenly places, right? My finishing my race isn't about me. It's about the Father, right? And all those who will be one to him, right, as I follow him. The deliverance from self is so deep, it's so clear and so pure, but it can only be accomplished by the full work and way of the cross. You know, we're coming up on Good Friday, right, and Easter Sunday. Do we understand that on Good Friday we're really looking at our own crucifixion, right? Jesus didn't need to be crucified. He had no need for that work that was for us. He included us in his crucifixion. That's why Paul could say in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified. Right? So that on Easter Sunday, will you celebrate your resurrection? that you have been brought up into new life so that you could live unto the Father, right? So often, the reason the church remains so powerless, so self-focused, is we've tried to look at Jesus on Good Friday and evoke gratitude towards him. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins. But have we come into the fact that the love of the Father, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, right? That they would then give eternal life, right? To all those who would trust, right? We have to back up and see the full plan of God, right? So in this, the developing and the nurturing of his life within us is that we might live full out unto him, not some nice balanced life. Because I often say to people, like the balance of what? Law and grace of flesh and spirit. What is this balanced life that you're trying to, to, to live? 
right? This is the fullness of life within us, the fullness of knowing the love of the Father, right? That this is how Jesus lived. It is out of a completely separate source than the conditional love of man, the self-serving love of man that can never produce and mature the church of Jesus Christ. It must be his life, his love, for his purposes. And so today, as you approach Good Friday, I pray you'll give these things thought. And that that which the Father won you through Christ for will be uh, in your crosshairs. That you'll begin to look and say, I, I want the life and love of the Father in me developed and nurtured over my lifetime. That's not going to happen in three weeks, my friends. That's not going to happen because you've decided to set out and you know build your own life. and It's because we yield to him. Because you see, he knows where we're headed and what it will require for the full accomplishment of his will. He knows. That's why he does require us to move through certain things. And it is bringing the conditioning, the spiritual conditioning within us, the maturing of his very life within us with every muscle being worked and, and, and every characteristic of his nature and all of it to the glory of God and fruit that will remain. So, again, <laughs> I pray that uh, today's um, episode, our conversation, as I sit here in my flat in the small village of Venice, Poland, uh, I pray that this will bring encouragement to you and cause you to Give up on everything of the toxic, human, conditional love and turn to the Father and say, Father, I will let you love me with your love. I will stop trying to secure for myself that which I think I need and turn to you that you might meet my true need. All right, my friends, there you have it. I love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.